You wouldn't believe it, at school I was a clown. <laughs> Always looking to <clears throat> joke around and make something funny out of something. But um, it's great, isn't it? It's probably one of the biggest uh, get-togethers we've had. And it's a good sign of the future. I think even the young guys sitting in the front row is very prophetic. There's some people that have known me, they're in this church longer than we've been married. Linda. Yeah. She goes back a while. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I'm in trouble. Anyway, guess what? I've, I've, I'm up to date with uh, technology. Um, Juanita helped me, and I've got something on the screen today. All right, let's put it up. Yeah, there we go. So if you want to check out those scriptures yourself, you can. I won't be turning around relating to it. And the other slide we'll have up there is actually a list of not exclusive, uh, what do you call it, uh, totally covering everything, but about the ways that we can hear from God. Because today my passion, um, my gifting is not teaching, it's not primarily pastoral, and those that have known me for a long time know that my passion is to encourage people to hear from God. That's what I love doing, whether they be Christian or non-Christian, and to to look into people's hearts. We're encouraged not to judge people by their faces, but to look into their hearts and their life in a way, and time doesn't allow us to explain what I mean by that, but basically look beyond the obvious and to sense what God's wanting to encourage in people's life. And, and that's probably a big part of what we've tried to have as a, a, a culture in the young adults is that they be encouraging to everybody. And I think it's been reasonably successful in that. And they're an encouraging bunch of young people and they've probably passed it on to the younger ones that are sitting here. But also a part of our life and gifting is to, uh, it's what God gives you, it's who we are, is to see things in the bigger picture, in, the life of, in our life and the life of people to encourage them, but the life of the church. And for the last couple of months, three weeks, this particular message isn't so much about a teaching today, that's why I've put that there so you know, those who love scriptures and to look at more of the foundation behind it, you can do that. But today I am passionate, as Ben said, about what God is wanting to say to this church. In a sense, if you want to put it in context, what I'm sharing today, you, re you probably need to go to the beginning of the book of Revelation, where God spoke to, as a, I think, an example, and also to cover a lot of the types, if you like, and some scholars say even... Uh, Era, uh, area, uh, what do you call it? An era or a, a, a season in the life of the church through history. And that's a message to the church. You know, this church here has a culture. You know, in heaven, that this church has a place where the Holy Spirit and probably uh, and, and God, the angels, talk about us. If not, why would he then address all the churches that he does in Revelation? God knows, says, I know you. And so individually, God knows us all here today. And my passion is and my belief is and, and my desire is that every one of you today will hear the voice of God. Not just sometime, but today. And you know what I understand and what I believe with all my heart, there's a, there's a time when Jesus spoke, not only in, if you look at some of these scriptures, the great teachings that we have about the, the good shepherd. Pastor Ben preached on that, I think, a month or two ago. And in that, there's six times in that little discourse about him being the good shepherd, six times he talks about 
uh, hearing his voice and those that hear his voice. It's really important. Also, he goes on to teach in the parable of the soils the same thing. The soil is the word of God, that which we hear through whatever method we hear it. And the issue, even in the parable of the soils in your own time, have a look at that scripture. He talks about thus being, um, in fact, we might have a look at that. So that's in Matthew 13. I'll flip back. And he says here, and I'm just going to read from verse 11. Many of you know the, the story, the parable. He says here, then he explained to them, you have been permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. Every one of you who have trusted God with your life, this is what we need to remind ourselves. God has allowed us to understand not only things that are happening in our life and humans and, and personalities, but the, the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. Here on earth, and to some degree, obviously the kingdom's not limited to earth, somewhere else. So he goes on to say, that's putting it in context. He said, but others have not. Not everyone has that privilege of hearing from and understanding and seeing what God's trying to see. So I want to encourage you this morning, I think, and I believe prophetically, that the church, the Western church over my generation and probably before that, have belittled, downplayed, ignored whatever the voice of God. Now how do I say that? Because I know a lot of people hear a lot of sermons based on the word of God. But the scripture says, my people will hear my voice and the reamer is and live by every word that proceedeth out of his mouth. So it's great to have a teaching and, and all these things based here, the Logos word of God, but we're meant to live and receive all the blessings and all the fullness that God has by hearing daily what the Spirit is saying to us. It's so important. One of the things, and I, and I see it prophetically clearly and it's been confirmed, that in the life of this church, and Pastor Ben, we shared this at a leaders meeting, as he said on Thursday night, one of the things is Pastor Ben was sharing about his understanding of where we're at as a church is that we're in a good place. And I agree. But generally, when you look in the, the letters to the churches in Revelation, some of the churches were in a good place. But the Spirit said, but I have these things I want you to address. None of us are perfect, not even the church. And God wants to address some things. So what I want to say this morning, when you look at these scriptures in the parable of the soils and even talking about him being the good shepherd, it is so, so important that we not only trust him when we hear his voice, but we obey him. Because he says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 to 4, in the last days, Christians will not want to hear what I want to tell them. Do not think, oh, it's them out there. It's that denomination, it's that church, it's that Christian who doesn't want to hear God. No, every one of us can be sucked into not wanting to hear what the Spirit wants to tell us. How do we avoid that? Well, there's the word of God, but everybody in and some many outside the church say, well, everyone interprets the scripture to suit themselves. So how do we avoid that? God says, I will confirm what I'm saying to you in the mouth of two or three witnesses. And one of the issues I want to encourage us today, if I don't get time to expound on it, is this, that when we say we've heard from God, and most of us long-time Christians say, well, God told me. Well, obviously, you can't disagree with the Word of God. That's a given. But we need to have, and I want to tell you, Jesus had accountability. Well, who's he accountable to? 
He says, he always did those things that he heard the father saying to do. Why would it say that? Because he lived as a man, as an example to you and I, how we to live. And the spirit led him. The spirit compelled him. Understand, not only that, the disciples, Peter and Paul, they disagreed. Friends, I want to tell you something. There's a lie of the devil that if we disagree, then somebody's wrong. Churches, it's okay to have a different opinion. And there's ways the Bible teaches to go about how we enjoy and appreciate the differences we have. And this is something that's doctrinally foundational or ethical or moral, then we need to allow that God to do that. So much so that they had meetings of leaders about the differences they had. Barnabas, son of encouragement, had such an argument with Paul, it was loud, it was boisterous. They didn't even decide to leave next week. They separated straight away. Who was wrong? Tell me who was wrong in the argument. Does scripture record? No. They separated, did their ministry. Difference of opinion. This may seem straining at things this morning. I'm telling you, this is a prophetic word for this church. We've got to stop listening to the lies of the devil. Listen to the Spirit of God, how he tells us to live and how we deal with life. Some things are so important, the life and death. But the scriptures, some of these basic scriptures we know so well, we only, we only know in part. And it says here, I'll finish reading. But others have not. To those who are open to my teaching, more understanding will be given and they will have an abundance of knowledge. But to those who are not listening, who's he talking to? The church. He is. Because some aren't given the privilege of knowing. And everybody that comes to Jesus is given the privilege of knowing his ways and knowing him. So he's got to be talking to us. Who are not listening. Even what they have will be taken away. Well, in Hebrews chapter 2, I think it's verse 1, he says, if we do not listen to what the Spirit's saying, we will fall away. The whole book of... Corinthians was written to a church that excelled in the gifts. Well, pretty much the theme of that book. They excelled in every gift. We actually, uh, very often, whoever shares communion or leaders in communion quotes the well-known chapter on communion, chapter 11. of What is that about? It's not what we say and discerning this is the body. They say that. But read it in context. It's talking about a church that excelled in gifts and worship but they had little groups that weren't connecting with the others. They were pointing fingers, they were judging, they were gossiping. Hebrews, most of Hebrews, there's about four uh, different verses, we only got a couple up there, same thing. They all talk about listening. And in Hebrews it says, by this time you should be teaching others. What was the issue that stopped them becoming mature? People my age, where there is gossiping and murmuring and rumouring and pointing the finger, you're not mature. 
Friends, I am so, and I'll, I'll say this, and people, there's some people, as I said, know me 40 years. And most of the prophetic things we've shared with churches, in fact, I don't know of any that we were, weren't right. God took us out of this town to churches to warn them about things that happened. And I'm open for error. But I'm telling you, it's been on my heart. I am so excited about the future and what it holds. Ten month, ten years, this church. Some of you know that I studied Bible numerology. I study, we, we did courses on uh, interpreting dreams. Why? Because that's what the Bible said we'd be doing in the last days. Yeah. You know, the number 10 is significant. Ten years this church has been going almost to the week. It speaks of judgment finishing. Ten commandments. Judgment finishing. God has a new season for this church. But I'm telling you with all my heart, and I'm seeing it, I've seen it in black and white, I've seen it, and confirmation, and I've talked to a lot of people, I've said, this is what I'm seeing. If we do not listen to the Spirit and we start listening to these other voices, even our own, of what the Spirit's telling us not to deal with some stuff, Jesus said, unless a grain of wheat, your ministry, your life, your place, unless we give it to God and it dies, we can't move into the new thing. The promises of God, the promised land, a whole generation. My life, God told me years and years ago that we would be like the 12 that went in to spy out what God wanted to do. They came back and 10 of them said, nah, too hard. We like the old way better. I'm telling you, one of the lies of the devil is to say the old way is better. It's not about a volume of something in the church. It's not about the noise of kids running here and there. Yet we make that such issues. I've heard that churches have splits over what colour to paint the ceiling. <laughs> or the walls, actually. It was ceilings are trendy now, they're black. You know. But it, it's true. And people are adamant. And we think, oh, you know, isn't that funny or, or, or whimsical? No, it's serious. Because we're not listening to what the Spirit says. I believe with all my heart, as I said, that we're entering into something of the promise of God. But it will look different. Next year, this is, if you understand anything about God's timing and seasons in God and Bible numerology and all those things come together, that God works in seasons. You notice we're coming to an end of a season. Next year, God's got something very different for this church. It'll look different, which means each of us, God may have a new area for us to step up or step into, which will mean for some of us letting go of the past. I want to tell you, that can be painful. Why? Because we've always done it. I mean, that's who I am. Now think about what God has promised you. Think about what God has said to your life and the life of this church that he could do. There's areas coming into the new year. We will need people and gifts and personalities and ministries to step into them. But I'm telling you, and, and you can know that. You can have it prophesied over you. Well, this is what God said I'd do. Yes, but we are responsible with God to work out our history. Oh, God will make it happen. No, he's chosen to limit himself to our obedience and our willingness and our Christ-likeness. I know people have gone to the grave and never fulfilled the calling on their life. Not many. This last four years, like a number in this church have faced life and death. Twice, literally, in nearly four years ago and then three years ago. 
But those things weren't a concern. It was a concern when I felt that I wasn't listening to the voice of God and I was doing my own thing. Then I felt, <laughs> I felt real concern. Not because of the physical that I'm not where I need to be physically or whatever, but that if I wasn't doing God's will, then there was no reason for me to be here. True. Why does God take some people before their time? We don't know. Why do good people, things happen to them? We don't know in God's plan. But what we know, God has a plan and a purpose for every one of you. And I encourage you now, even as the Spirit of God would talk to you, that his voice, you need to hear it again. What God is saying. In um, John chapter 10. Actually, we have got it written out, that uh, chapter. Ta-da! There we go. Look at that. It's a, I'm telling you, this is a miracle. This, I didn't do it. Juanita did it for me. Look what he said here. You know, this is the promise of the shepherd for your life and all that it is. Jesus, the good shepherd. But it has responsibilities and it has, you know, conditions for us. And the sheep listen to his voice. Now, with that, we say, oh, what if God, I heard God calling me, you know, then I would respond. If we listen to the voice of the wolf, Oh, I'm a Christian. I wouldn't listen to some deceptive voice. Why do you think people keep asking you and I that are outside the church, how could that church fall? How could that minister get into the deception? No accountability. And one of the things I want to say this to you, if we want to hear the voice of God and we want to have it confirmed and know that we're not being deceived by ourselves or our desires and have itching ears, we need to have someone in our life. And if you're married and have a good relationship in your marriage and your partner is a Christian, that's the, one of the best person to speak into your life and to confirm what God's saying to you. Why? Because you know they love you. Better the wounds of a friend than the kisses of an enemy. One of the most important things in hearing the voice of God, and, and Paul had to chat Peter, who was used to start the, uh, um, the non-Christian church, why? Because under pressure, he started going back and, you know, accommodating the Jews. Oh, I'd never do that. I wouldn't accommodate those people who want the church to go back to how it was. We're human. God's not here today to condemn us and point the finger. He's saying, I can't do what I want to do in your life. You can't hear me if you're listening to these other voices that are contradicting what I'm saying. This was the issue and right at the end of the story in Revelation to every single church, he said, if you will hear my voice, you'll reap the good of the land. If not, you're going to inherit what you have planned. It's not God's punishment. It's just the fact we haven't learnt. And the church, I believe most of the Western churches haven't been taught how to hear the voice of God for themselves. Why do you think the scripture says in the last days in... in um, in Hebrews it says, many, and I think it was, oh sorry, in 1 Timothy chapter 4, in the last days, Christians will give over to itching ears. They'll want to hear preachers and Christians tell them what they want to hear. And I've been as guilty as anybody, you know. Oh, I'm, this is what I think should happen and this is that and this is that. I'm as big a whinger as anybody, <laughs> seriously. But then sometimes I go away and we need to listen to that in a small voice which lines up with the word of God and says, you're criticising, you're pulling down. We love that scripture in the, in the is it Psalms or Proverbs, where, the, where my brethren dwell in unity. One, uh, Psalm 133? 137. 
and one th- is it one thirty three the unity where the spirit uh, where the brethren dwell in unity, I command a blessing. Is it could be one twenty seven as well. Well, we're just getting some backup on that. Some, pre- <laughs> but he says where they dwell in unity, God says I command a blessing. Who doesn't want that blessing? But what we need to understand when you, we did a teaching here on the uh, uh, what's that course? Discover about, uh, you know, the fruit of the Spirit. I mentioned that on the topic that I was talking on. There's the gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit. But when we look in context of where the, the gifts, <laughs> where the gifts are, uh, God bless you, um, <coughs> are shared, it talks about the opposite of the fruit of the Spirit. You know what some of them are? Murmuring, gossiping, judging, pointing of the finger, blah, blah, blah. So we all want God's blessing and that unity. And as Pastor Ben has shared, and I believe it, confirm it, we have a great foundation here. But God's saying, before you can move into the new thing I have for you, before I can do what I want to do in your midst, in your life, and in the life of this church, we've got to get rid of some of this stuff. You've been hurt. And you know what we do when we're hurt? We, we, we need some consolation. And... Um, the temptation, and this is one of the lies that you'll hear, the voice. It's not your fault. It's them. It's him. It's her. It's that. If that had changed, you would change. God has called you and I to change scenarios and situations. As he changes our hearts, I'm telling you, then we get together with others in like spirit, in unity, and things happen. I saw that last year with young adults. And Judy and myself, it, I think we learned more out of young adults than anybody. Really, what God could do. Because when we had our own church, God spoke to me about, you know, things that become religious and, and traditions. And you know what? I tried to change through teaching and preaching and sharing where the church should be. And guess what happened? Very little. <laughs> because it's got not got, The way God works is one heart at a time with us encouraging and being with someone else and building it up. It's not from, this church and the culture will never change from this platform. It's as the Spirit wills and as we hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. We'll think, you know, there's a, there's a sense where the vision and the direction, responsibility comes with the leaders. And we all think it's the pastor. But God builds the church on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Interesting. But see, we've got traditions now. We put the pastor up there, the one man. It was never meant to be one man. But we were meant to, you know, give honour to those who have responsibilities and all those sorts of things. And, and things don't happen in our life. But in Corinthians, you know, like, I struggle with some of those scriptures. I don't know about you. In Corinthians, it said, if you don't discern the Lord's body, what's he talking about? We all think he's talking about the bread and the wine. In context, he's talking about the church. If we don't understand what the church is and who we are meant to be with each other, then we're going to miss out. We're going to be vulnerable to the enemy. <clears throat> we're going to be vulnerable to deception and lies and negativity and thoughts. And it says, some are sick and die before their time. Well, wow. Now, that's a heavy subject. There's very little interpretation left for that. In other words, our attitude and the life we live and the approach we take determines our longevity 
and our health. And I'm feeling, even though I don't look it, I'm feeling really healthy at the moment. And I'm telling you, I don't know about you, who's experienced that when you seem to be healthy spiritually, you feel healthy physically? There's a correlation. It really ties up. It really does. So where was it? Did I read? Oh, we read that one here. We were there. I get distracted so easily, don't I? It's a, and the sheep hear him because they know his voice. You know, there's a song I've been listening to at the moment, and it's a very prophetic song. A lot of things are prophetic for me because I'm hearing. I have my radar. I have my radio tuned to anything where God, not that I want to hear, oh, God, what you're saying. I don't, not that I don't hear from God. I hear God a lot, I think. But I want it confirmed. God, is this what you're saying? And there's a song I was listening to, and we've been playing it and playing it. It's called Take Me Back. It's a black singer in, I think, one of the Bethel groups. And uh, I listen to him on his own albums, and it's quite boring. But when he leads worship, it's so different, and it's very prophetic. But he says, take me back to that first love. He said, because then loving others was easy. Yeah. Our first church, and Linda will tell you, there was politics, there was guys standing up in the meeting abusing the pastor. The pastor and his associate, would, at times I was there, nearly come to blows. These are, and these, let me say, these were men that have got a, a history of, of godliness and left a good impact in the, in the town, the senior minister. But I went into a church, my first church was a church that was full of politics and, 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 and divisions and all those sorts of things. Yet, like this song said, because I was so in love with Jesus and I just wanted to hear him, I didn't hear the other stuff was going on. I saw it, I heard it with my physical ears, but the Spirit was saying, just love me, just love me. I'm telling you, in this song he says, take me back to that first love. Because when the storms come, that's what I need to have. And I believe what God is wanting to take us into now in preparation for the next season and next year is that where we get, went, that place where loving others, no matter what was going on around us, especially in church life, we could love others. And I'm telling you, you will destroy the works of the devil. When you love others despite what's going on, and, and in fact, when you love those who are unlovable, when you love those who you think might have spitefully used you, this is what the scripture tells us. This is godliness. This is the, the, the call of our church to live like Jesus lived. He was betrayed by his closest. And we think that justifies us in saying stuff and doing stuff and up and, and off. I'm glad Jesus didn't up and off. I'm so proud of my family and grandkids. Not because they're becoming members, but because they dedicated their children yesterday to God. They thank God. You know, it's, it, it's just so good. Because the thing with me at a, as a grandparent, I can rest that when I pass from this life, I'm going to see him again for eternity. These are the things we need to ponder on. Not, well, I can't do that and this is that and, you know, all this other stuff. We don't even need to go into it. God loves us. My sheep hear my voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run, aw run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. This is what I want to leave with you today. There's strangers out there 
And sometimes they actually come in the form of good people. But we've listened to wrong things and we say the wrong things. But the Christian who knows Jesus' voice and what he would be saying to him, sorry, I can't listen to that. Recently, I told a friend of mine off. He's a mature Christian, got a great heart. Because he'd listened to somebody that wasn't, wasn't putting me down, but just talking about me. And he said this and that. And this guy knows me really well. And, I, and I, I said, if it was me and someone were talking about you like that, I wouldn't listen to it. Come on. Do not receive an accusation against brothers and sisters. Do we? If we do, and, the, and there's, there's times when you need to do stuff. We left the first two churches we're in because we couldn't, a good conscience couldn't stay there. So I understand where there's churches and there's humans and stuff like that. But we need to understand what the scripture's saying. These are the things, the little things that we get sucked into listening to the wrong voice. And often it can be the wrong voice in our own head. But God wants it. He knows this morning is, and you sense the unity, you sense the excitement, you sense that God's wanting to do something here today. And he can, he will, but when you... When you're like a parent or a grandparent, you know that if, or you think that, you know, if the kids don't learn this and, and make some effort and work, maybe they won't inherit what you want them to inherit, you know? Does God know that if we don't learn things, that we're not going to inherit what he wants us to inherit? We need to do that. The thief and the robber. All who come before me are thieves and robbers. He's not talking about demons. He's talking about religious leaders and people because they had their own agenda. They got deceived. They got caught up in the the little traditions, the little habits that we've always done here and we're always going to have these aisles here. But what if you come next week and there is an aisle in the middle? Now, you think, oh, that's ridiculous, Steve. I'm telling you people get upset about it. But my issue isn't whether you should or shouldn't get upset about that. The issue is, where's that coming from? Is there a spirit of, I just love God and I don't care? I have friends that are good friends that are talking about the church they're in now. Oh, it's good. The honeymoon period's finished. They're older than me. And they were pastors. And, they go to, and we love them and they're happy. They've made some good friends in this church. And they said, oh, but the music, it's loud. It's all for the young ones. Friends, honestly, does God care? He does care about us. But there's churches and the good and trendy and modern churches, when you walk in with your children, they want to take them off you. I'm serious. I can get people who testify that here, right here. They're okay. They're good churches. They're part of the brothers and sisters. And if you don't let the children go with them, they want to encourage you to go out to those little quiet rooms. True. Is it wrong? Oh, I don't know. But I read where Jesus says, don't forbid the children to come to me. Do you think the children in Jesus' day were quiet? Come on. Last, where was it yesterday? Very noisy. And I think last week, we've had some noisy Sundays. And I know it is harder for us older ones that are deaf. And I'm a bit deaf. You can't hear. Hang on, tell me again. I can't hear. But I'd rather the children be here in the presence of God and worshipping with me. 
and us. You can think, oh, you're really making a lot out of this, Steve. No, I'm not. Because I sit back and I watch. There's a difference between watching and judging. Because I don't want anybody to miss out on the best God has for them. And I said to Pastor Ben, there's going to be changes and things and God takes, you know, the prophecies, I gave Pastor Ben just a half of what we had prophecies in our life. And they were given 20 years ago, some of them, to Judy and myself. And you know what they said? And Pastor Ben was even surprised. You'll be like parents to these young adults who you'll help train and they're going to be released to the harvest field. And they're going to come again and train up new ones. I'm telling you, that attitude, to have that attitude where you're willing to sow yourself into your children and spiritual children and let them go, that is not common in today's church. Because they want to sow them into their own little campus so they can, you know, put the stuff into them. What about sowing them to the harvest field? These things don't happen unless we have that heart that listens to the, the Father and listens to Jesus. Oh, you know, we, got to, we can't afford to sow. I used to get angry and jealous of the big churches. Because I'd look, when you have a little church, you know, I either had these, um, where are we, five minutes, that have these great singers and musicians. And, you know, I used to look at someone like Paradise and they have guys like Des there. And they'd have probably six of Des who could play the drums like Des. Why don't they give one to our little church? <laughs> yeah. And how many small churches you think didn't think the pastor was a bit like that, thought like that? It sounds logical, but sometimes the voice that's not God's is the logical voice. And what was I doing? Judging them instead of thanking God for whatever we had. And we thank God on the little church we had. You know, there were so many people and children that because we, what we did, Judy and myself, we sowed into them that they just prophesy. And, we, and, and those people, there's some of them in different churches down at uh, Victory at Semaphore and, and Baptist Church. And their children are encouraged to share the visions and the things that God gives them. Why? Because that was just us sowing our gift into them. You have a gift, every one of you. And I want to encourage you to hear the voice, even if the Spirit's saying today, can I have your heart again? Can I have your ministry again? Just let it go. Don't put restrictions on it. Don't try to tell me, this is God, God um, you know, what I should do with you or what the church should do with you. Just give it to me and let me see and let, let yourself see what I can do with you. But we have to let it go. We have to let it go. It may not look anything like we were doing before, but it will be what God's put in your heart and it will be something you're excited about and it will cause you to trust God. Because, oh, I've always thought God wanted me to do that, but I've never thought I had the ability. I, I, can you sense the Spirit's talking today to every one of you? And just in part, I want you to hear the important things I'm saying, but it's, it's a positive thing and it's an exciting thing, but we must let go and we must deal with some of those unforgiveness things or judgment things or whatever they are. You know, you don't, most of you are mature. You don't need me to tell you. But the sheep have not listened to me. But the sheep have not listened to me. In Revelations, what's he saying? The sheep aren't listening. I want to love them. I want to use them. I want to do great and wonderful things such they've never understood or believed before. 
Jesus said, there's people that are different down the bottom. They too will listen to my voice. Verse 27, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Let's make a decision today, whatever it means for you individually or you as part of the congregation, if you're part of this congregation, that you'll not only listen and trust God, but you'll follow Him where He may lead you. And I encourage you, one of the most important things I think to do, and it's not taught a lot, because we don't teach on men, we don't teach on discipleship much, or the churches. You know, we don't have accountability. I'm seeing a guy tomorrow, I think I mentioned this before, because Pastor Ben and the leaders want me to get some with my credential. I'm still a Pentecostal pastor, but they want me to have some Baptist recognition for as part of this church, which I think is a lot. So that's fine. I don't think that's the devil talking. I think that's God. Anyway, but to do that, just to have a credential, you know what it is? And I think I've mentioned it. And this is what I love about being part of the Baptist system, if you want to call it that, is they have great accountability and great support for their leaders. And to me to have that, which is the equivalent of a local Baptist preacher, I have to four times a year catch up with my mentor. I'm 64. The mentor that I'll probably get is probably at least 10 years younger than me. And I have to submit my life and my behaviour and my conduct to him. I'm seeing him tomorrow. See, um, not as a mentor because I haven't finished the paperwork yet. I'm pretty slack. And, um, but I'm catching up with a friend. And he said to me, he said, I'll be privileged to do it. That'll give us a reason to catch up and be friends. And he said, but I won't chase you. And one of the things that I've studied about mentoring discipleship, how many of us really have had a mentor or disciple in our life? And I understand that there hasn't been too many around that you could really trust and go to in the past. But that's the way of discipleship. And when we hear from God, we need to have somebody in your life, whether a, a, your partner or, you know, or, or a leader in the church that you trust. Somebody who you know, if you think you get some crazy word from God, and it's not from God, that they'll say, think twice about it. That's why oh, I'll never be deceived. I used to read all those scriptures. You know, I was so in love with God. I'll never be deceived in the last days. I understand now I could be. If I'm not open, transparent and accountable, I could be deceived. And the deception comes in the simplest of forms. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your presence here. I thank you that I'm part of this church, this family, this congregation. May you confirm to every single person what you're saying to them. It may be that they've never experienced your first love, but they're feeling the tug this morning. In the same scriptures that we're talking about today, you said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any open to me, I'll come in. In the context of you speaking and knocking, help them to have the courage to say yes today to you, to your spirit and your voice. I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.